This episode of Comedy Film Nerds is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. And you can get a free audiobook of your choice at audiblepodcast.com slash CFN. Do it. CFN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 264, halfway to 528. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to go through Ex Machina, who I'm really excited to talk about. I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, Danny Collins. We're going to talk about a very special documentary, Atari Game Over, and uh, some interesting uh, Blu-rays coming out, too. Big Eyes, The Babadook, Batman vs. Robin, and some abominations coming out into the theaters. So... uh, (laughs) Let's get Would it started. have to do with a guy in a mall? Oh, yes, it would. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and well, that's not the only one. <laughs> no, there's more. There's more movies that should never exist that are coming out this weekend. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to talk about mm-hmm. those. Um, so uh, what, do I, what do I talk? Oh, I just want to thank. There were some fans that came out. I did a little show up in Ventura, uh, California on Saturday. That was fun. Thanks for coming out for that. And uh, now, when you say little show, what is your idea of a little show? Oh, just a small, like eighteen hundred seat, just sure. a small little venue. <laughs> no, it was like maybe less just than midgets 100. in the audience. Yeah, just midgets, small uh-huh. people, but a big, a lot of them. Yeah, on right each, on each other's shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So not a small audience in, in numbers, but just size, size people. Sure. Uh-huh. Or no, no, they're regular size people. I just thought low ceiling. No, they're integ- that kind of small. They're integrity. Around, bent over. They were small. <laughs> <laughs> performing in a diorama. Yeah, I was, I was a great diorama <laughs> show, guys. It's up a vendor. You should... <laughs> if you're of mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're of mine in the Ventura area. Yeah. Go. You want to play a smallish venue. What was uh, the name of this place? Uh, Larry's House of Tiny Sheets? It was so, 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 <laughs> I don't know. It was so small. It was a restaurant. It's like a back room at a restaurant. You should probably tell the audience who you're talking to. I just realized... Yeah, yeah we, we haven't we introduced. Haven't, we haven't. Introduced. I should shut up and let you do your job. Yeah, yeah goddamn right, it! Can we Sorry. can we I'll start a goddamn show without your in- insults that I have to play <laughs> shitty rooms in Ventura? I don't need this bullshit. You don't. You don't need this. <laughs> I misunderstood. <laughs> I got a completely different memo that said this is exactly what you needed. <laughs> yeah. What well, was from your publicist? <laughs> My publicist was a bald face flyer, ladies and gentlemen. That's a callback to a conversation that none of you are privy to. Yeah. Um, we have a very special guest, second time on the program, and has a new movie out. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, maybe it's the third time if you count the live show. Directorial, yeah, show. Debut. Yeah, directorial, directorial debut. Directorial debut. The director of Misery Loves Comedy. A actor, writer, producer, comedian. Keep hater going. Hater of small venues. Hater of small venues. <laughs> and now a uh, director. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kevin Pollack. Thank you. Please be seated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you're quiet. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> what? We give you the big build up? Now I've got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure which one of those things I agree to in the descriptive form. 
most notably uh, here now and very happy and and uh, big fan of uh, of this particular show. So how about that? Outstanding. Great, yeah, Great I, to have you. And, and, how's your, and I know you're, uh, tell us a little bit about your pod. Before we get into your, we'll get into your film a little bit. Sure, later, sure. But your podcast. Kevin Pollack's chat show. The award winning. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> There's podcast awards. Remember the Streamies? Did you ever hear about the board called the Streamies? Sure. Yeah, see, yes. we, I was foolish enough to get into the video end of this. Ah. And for you kids out there uh, thinking about getting into the podcast business, do not, repeat, do not get into the video end of things. <laughs> It is such an enormous pain in the ass. And uh, clearly no one gives a shit because... They just want to listen. 80% conservatively of our audience dials in audibly only. Yeah. <laughs> but I like to say things like, Tom Hanks sat at my desk for two hours and 42 minutes, which is arguably the longest on-camera interview he's ever given. Mm-hmm. That makes me happy, just to say mm-hmm. it, which I often do without microphones. <laughs> I'll just say it. Sometimes in the car, sometimes with the dry cleaner. How was that interview, though? Two hours and 42? Horrible. <laughs> he is the worst. Wouldn't shut up. Yeah, yeah. You only wanted it to be an hour. I would have been happy with 42 minutes, not yeah. two hours and 42 minutes. No, it was astounding, and, and um, a piece of which I stole and put into the documentary. I stole a little piece of, of him and another little piece of Larry David from the chat show. But everyone else, I used a cinematographer, and I had a thing, and settings, and different locations. But those two, I had to grab a little piece, because uh, it was the only way I could get them. But, you know, to get Tom Hanks to a place where he's got a Pabst Blue Ribbon on each paw, um, and calling one his bitterness juice, one his happy juice, <laughs> and to get to the point where he said, 53 years of self-loathing darkness, um which is the piece I use in the film. Because you don't expect someone like that to suggest that's been going on. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, well, part of it that makes sense, he just can't catch a break. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, if anyone should be living in self-loathing darkness. <laughs> it's the guy who sleeps on a fortress of Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A guy who touched the hand of greatness and said, I'm good here. Yeah. <laughs> but that's interesting, though. I mean, like... Yeah, you wouldn't expect that from Tom Hanks. Well, I mean, it also makes you show like like every artist. It, right. Yeah, no, I think, nobody came into this like everything's good. I think what it is is the human element, which is really what I tried to capture more than anything else in the film, and try to capture with the chat show that you you mentioned that we're talking about first is is just getting breaking them down, breaking their spirit, and getting them to speak like a human <laughs> being instead of these quick little uh, remove the facade. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean we we just celebrated six years uh, doing a show at Largo at the Coronet. With Dana Carvey and Will Forte, and it was phenomenal and fantastic because we rarely do them live in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but six years suggests we were uh, early adopters to the podcast nation. Yes. Now, of course, uh, being asked by a friend to be on their podcast is a current form of jury duty in Los Angeles. Yes. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. You know, they send you a form, you try to avoid it, you make up excuses, you have your lawyer drop a letter. It's like, oh, I can't make that time. Well, what about two hours later? Then yeah. it's, there's always, you know, oh, no, I'd say I have yeah. something else. Oh, no, we'll do it at night. Then yeah. what's, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll work How's around Thursday your schedule. Thursday and not yeah. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah we appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to be here. Kidding? Yeah. Well, I uh, I really really want to hear about this movie Ex Machina because okay. it was not it was one of those movies I thought oh that's great this will be playing everywhere and it's not it's in two theaters which uh, one now Ex Machina and um, 
It wasn't even playing in the Valley at all, so I have to go down to Hollywood to see it. So, uh, and I, how I, did you see it? Or I actually I went to um, I went to the ArcLight in Hollywood. I live I live near the beach and drove all the way there. What's the address? Uh, the address of my house mm-hmm. is. <laughs> you live near which beach? <laughs> is there one in particular? <laughs> Because, you know, to say the beach doesn't... There's only one goddamn beach, Kevin, and it's the, the one you live yeah, there. Yeah, that's right, bitch. I surfed in it this morning, and I don't need anybody's fucking back yak. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you How was surf- the surf this morning? It was nice. Yeah? I ran into Lachlan Patterson, who's a comic, in the sure. water. And uh, it was great. And murdered him. I murdered him. I drowned him. Did Nobody you, saw it. Did you ask him what the fuck with the name? Yeah, I said, God, that's a stupid name. <laughs> I go. I thought did, my name was dumb. Did you want your parents? Did your parents rather want you to get your ass kicked on a daily basis at school? What, <laughs> Lachlan? He's tall and strong, so they were like, "Better oh, call him Lachlan." Yeah, look at the size of that baby. He's <laughs> make him fight. <laughs> make him be a fighter. Yeah. So I drove into Hollywood uh, from the beach, uh, which is great. Hollywood, the beach, the beach, mm-hmm. and I drove into the godforsaken hellhole that is east of the four hundred five. Yes, it is a wasteland <laughs> yes. of cannibals sure. and apocalyptic. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Maybe not in our lifetime. Right. Hopefully not. In- I, if it is, I don't care. I won't <laughs> you notice won't be it. There. I will yeah. be I will be at we'll the see. beach. You'll be protected apparently yeah. by the 405. Yeah. <laughs> We're one at some point will be turned into a curtain. <laughs> We're one sig alert away from being Mad Max around here. Yeah. We're yeah. pretty close. Yeah. Um thankfully it didn't happen last night while I was watching this film. Um How'd you hear about the damn film? We we started we talked about it on this show uh, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. And, and the trailer, I watched the trailer online. Uh, it looks really good. Alex Garland is the director who did uh, 28 Days Later, and he also did The Beach. Um, <laughs> oh, the DiCaprio. Where Graham lives. Where Graham lives. The, the DiCaprio was basically paying, playing me. Do you guys watch Walking Dead? I do, yeah. And, and did you see 28 Days Later? Yes. Okay. Um, forgive my abject ignorance. Um, they're taken from the same graphic novel, the same book, or just no, annoyingly similar in in inception. Uh, no, twenty eight days later, the zombies are fast. Aha, mm-hmm. walking. Down and it's slow. yeah, okay, yeah, okay. And Sorry, one's British. <laughs> and what? And one's British. One's British. And one's yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 One shot in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, formerly British. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one has a British lead. The other no. <laughs> okay. So this this movie pretending though, to be American. So, okay, which I really like. Twenty eight days later came out. Too. I liked it a lot. Right, which what? is yeah. why I don't watch Walking Dead. I felt like fast or slow. The I got my fill of the zombie story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like yourself have friends who are, are religious about watching Walking Dead. You know, there's so much great content now. It on, is an enjoyable show. I've watched every episode. Yeah. yeah, the thing mm-hmm. is, here's what happened with me with Walking Dead. I think the first season I was like, oh, this is really cool because it was based on the graphic novel. Second season, cool. By the middle of the third season, I was like, I'm done. And I'm also done with the just, and this isn't Walking Dead's fault, but just it's zombie everything. It's like hearing about bacon. Like, I don't give a shit how much you like bacon or zombies. Yeah, zombies are everywhere. Books, TVs, movies. And so- They are are oversaturated. And you're right. It's a good point because, you know- 10, 12 years prior, 28 Days Later came out, which was kind of... Holy shit, what is this? Oh my God, we haven't seen a zombie film like this ever, maybe? Right. Yeah. And and it was that was amazing. And they're actually... They're, it felt it, cutting edge. Walking, mm-hmm. Del, Walking Dead felt 180 degrees from cutting edge. 
I, I wouldn't say that. It's actually really um, well put That's together. That's because you're a fan of the show. That's because I am a fan of the show. Yeah. However, um, I will I'm probably... I'm speaking as someone who's never seen yeah. the show. <laughs> so naturally, yeah. I'm going to be the authority here. <laughs> but I, they are, and it's a typical network thing. It's like, well, something successful, let's oversaturate it. Now sure. they're gonna, there's going to be a spinoff, and there's going to be God. an L.A.-based walking. Oh, I'm God. like, no, you don't. No, make it special. Come on. What's the number oh, one rule? Uh, L.A. Of, based Walking Dead. Based so it's like NCIS. Yeah. yeah, is now in yeah. New Orleans. <laughs> zombies take over Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh only. Yeah, <laughs> Walking Dead Portland. Yeah, hey, <laughs> there is something to said. Leave them wanting just a little more. Leave them wanting a little more. No, you don't I, have to give me too much zombie. I get it. If it works, do it to death. So, so <laughs> that's what show business does. <laughs> So, uh, so Kevin's not familiar with this film. Give him the, uh, the okay, uh, synopsis. I'll, I'll read it to you right Please. now. Please. A young programmer is selected to participate in a breakthrough experiment in artificial intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a breathtaking female AI. So, um, who is played by this, this girl, uh, Alicia Vikander. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know she is. In fact, um, she's someone I just put on a short list for a film I'm allegedly directing. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! Oh. Well, she's then she's, you should probably see this film. Yeah, no, I should. But she's also in. Um, is it um, Man from Uncle? Is yeah, that she's her? in Man from Uncle. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She did Seventh Son, and uh, she, she's well. She shouldn't put that on her. She's resume. crazy with the beautiful. She's yes, very she beautiful, is. and she does. And as an, an actress, how do you rate her? She was great, fantastic. Because she's playing the ninety-five percent of the film. She's uh, in a like an, a prosthetic robot suit basically where and they did an amazing job of makeup and cg on this Mm -hmm. like it you i kept looking for it and it was really hard to find in terms like oh that's computer that's computer it was hard to find so what's the rule on this show about spoiler alerts by the way do you not give a fuck no 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 spoilers no spoilers spoilers. don't don't ruin it okay then you just did (laughs) in terms of how 95 percent um suggesting (laughs) there's five percent where she's not. <laughs> Do you know where that 5% is? <laughs> that's the Easter egg? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so, the setup of the trailer, too. She slowly gets more human parts put on her. As uh, it were. As it were. So mm-hmm. it's amazing. Oscar Isaac plays the sort of billionaire genius. And I didn't even recognize him at first. He's great. Yeah. He's great. And he's in, you know, he's got some, you know, billionaire compound out in the middle of nowhere. So there's all this high security. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dom, Dominell Gleason from Harry Potter, who is also Donald. in Donnell. whatever. <laughs> Dom, that you did not know. That makes me happy. I don't, I'm the worst at pronouncing names. I have been mispronouncing my own name for a good number of years. Um, so he's great in it as, yeah. the, as the young programmer. Oscar Isaac, like, is he testing everybody? There's all these, he's very secretive. I don't want this. I don't want, the, you can take it out of the stand if you want. I like this right here. Okay. <laughs> this makes me happy. I'm leaning back. I'm holding with both hands. Yeah. Nobody gets it. If this was a video podcast, you could see uh, Kevin holding the microphone in the most peculiar manner that you've yes. ever seen. I'm trying to make you both uncomfortable, well, and I wasn't succeeding yeah, before. Yeah. So I thought I would try something new. Well, that's where the future is going, yeah. video podcasting, right? Also, get a table that has less distance between you and your guests. Yeah. yeah. That way they feel, hey, how's it going? So I was... Uh, I want to feel you. I have this table. Is this the Costco table? Yeah, this is the Costco table. I like this it. This might be Staples. I like what it says, and then I don't care for it. Yeah. I would never buy, ever. Uh, no. So, uh, so he's a billionaire. And- he's a billionaire, and he plays this sort of mad genius 
really well. He, you know, I'm clearly smarter than you. A um, little bit of ego. Little, like a big, big ego. So who do you think he's more modeled after, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates? Or it doesn't matter. He's sort of a new, like, if... Well, if Elon Musk little... If Dana White from the UFC was, like, as smart as Steve Jobs. Wow. A little bit of that. A little huh. bit of, like, alpha male Like, not nerdy. Like, he start. you know, there's scenes where he's hitting a heavy bag, and you're just like, oh, wow, he's... And and is who's he playing who against? He may um, be a machine. Don't say. Don't say it. Ninety five percent chance. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I say this: it's one of the more inventive AI movies that I've ever seen. So many times, this like the movie AI fell flat. I Robot was like ugh, and and it's it's dealing with some of those same themes, but does it in the most inventive right? And it's I left there. Physically tense, like you are at a horror, like a good suspense thriller. Like I was tensed, like Jesus. Right. And the scenes, a lot. You of You cut the- yourself off on the word horror. I think you meant to say you were going to say horror. Horror, yeah. Okay, because it sounds you cut yourself cryptically at horror, and I just wanted to There's clarify a- for your fans <laughs> that you're not going to say you were on edge like at a whorehouse. When I'm at a whorehouse, I'm very relaxed. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable. I got your back. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> No, but I had that tension, like I would be at a at a horror at a whorehouse. Um, <laughs> sure, but like because it's there's you know a house of horrors. End. There's the, yeah. you know, I you don't know, know how, how it's gonna, gonna end. You don't know how it's gonna end. Technically, you yeah. kind of should. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of should know. Spoiler alert! You yeah. know, I gotta. Mm. I'm weird. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you, I'm weird that way. Yeah, you know, you pay for the whole package. Uh huh. <laughs> I pay for them to do. I I always go here's an extra fifty. We'll Surprise do, me. Do whatever you feel like. If something comes out of me, it's fine. Yeah. But I don't know how this is going to end. I have no idea. I don't. don't. No. You have weapons. I don't care. Sure. This is a loving thing. If it's a fight, um, I don't care. Right. So this film. Fifty Shades of Graham. It doesn't matter. Fifty Shades of Graham. All right. Somebody make that poster and post it to the Comedy Film Nerds Facebook page. Fifty Shades of Graham. Make it. Make it right now. Yeah. Stop fucking around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it is. It is the acting scenes. Make sure you put at the bottom. Curious. Now you guys had to go see that movie too. For the I Shades saw of Grey. Yes. He saw it. You I don't mean, both have to. You, you no. choose up who's going to see what. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while we'll both see one, and then we'll do what we call the spoiler rep of it, mm-hmm. where we'll talk about the whole movie front to back. Beautiful. Um, but this it wasn't uh, that one. Nope. Was, was no. <laughs> Couldn't. We were going to, but then after I heard about it, I was like, I can't. Nope. Yeah. I can't see this. It, it looks done. dumb. Mm-hmm. I would rather feel tense in a whorehouse. Is she yeah. going to get an acting career? The girl from the Fifty Shades. She will. The offspring from uh, the Don Johnson. Um, if she does, it won't be from this film. No, <laughs> no. I mean, she's book. getting booked. She's she's right. definitely booking gigs. Mm-hmm. She'll have to prove some chops at some point. You're saying, uh, yes, as they all do. Yeah, yes. and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, maybe they could make a movie about her fighting with her mom about not wanting to see the movie. That would be what great. kid? That was so ridiculous. <laughs> that was such a great part of the. Her Academy mom was Awards. like, "No, I don't want to watch my daughter have sex, mom." Yeah, it's just a movie, like this petulant, like, <laughs> like, like do you want to watch your parents have sex? Like, yeah. What are you talking <laughs> about? Exactly. What's wrong with you? What, it's one of our- what mother would not want to see her daughter have fake sex in a movie? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the fuck is the matter with violent S and M? Choky. As one of so our fans, weird that she it, was. Uh, you know, maybe your mom doesn't want to see you get torture banged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, again, I repeat, what mother does not want to see? <laughs> 
their daughter fake torture back. So now I'm glad to hear this movie was good. I was really hoping this movie. It's would be such good a too. limited release. It's only in mm-hmm. two theaters in L.A. I, guys, I if you're, and it's not on demand either. It's, it's a not, hard movie to find. It's really hard to find. Search it out. I kind of think you need to see it on a big screen. It's it's it it, it and just oh here's the thing I wanted to talk about. The sound design, and it reminds us me of the episode we did with Dave Schmidt, the sound mm-hmm. designer, a, a, around a year ago. Um, they do such interesting things with the sound design because she's moving, and you hear just very faint little like servos and clicks and stuff. But it's not all like you know, like not R two D two. And her acting ability is she's not moving all robotty, but she's moving. Like an AI. I mean, like, like it's it's humanish, but not like. You're saying Bill Irwin worked with her a little, maybe. Probably, yeah. I think some space work. I think Bill Irwin <laughs> did some space work. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's really there's all these little subtle cool things in there that make it a great film. Right on. And it's basically three people in the whole movie. I'm sold. Yes, check right. it out. Should we let our guest go next on Danny? Oh, Collins? how did Danny do in the cinema? <laughs> so, did you guys review this one? No, we haven't came seen out? it yet. Oh, may I? Please, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rush, run, don't walk, in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is oh. my, my first question, of course, <laughs> is this: What year? When did it happen? That I became an old black blues player. <laughs> I don't know because there was a lot of yelling at one point in my career, and maybe it left me here. But now, in this movie, Danny Collins, you can't see because it's not a video podcast, but I am touching something with both of my hands as I speak. I do this because I think it's charming and cute. <laughs> that is what you can look forward to in the whole movie of Danny Collins. He doesn't stop touching things because, wait, we're going to do this, right? No, we should. (laughs) It is so fucking horrible of 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 a performance and a, it's just so what hap- I'm annoyed from what that 60 second spoof you were doing like yeah. let alone in the yeah. theater well I'm trying to capture the level of annoyance God. that that I was squirming what was the basic story of this movie is, isn't it based on a th- real thing it's not a well yes there's a guy who got a found out a letter was written to him by his hero John Lennon um 35 40 years past his prime but it was written to him when he was a young man, but he never knew it was written to him. And it was based on John Lennon seeing an interview this singer-songwriter gave in a magazine. And John Lennon reached out to say, it's not going to be that bad. Give me a call. And left his phone number. You're going to be okay. And instead, this guy ends up selling out and doing sort of a um, sweet Caroline becomes ish becomes his hit and he you know, opens up with him at the Greek theater singing it for the one billionth time right and he's in his 60s and he's realizes he's sold out years ago and it's all meaningless and and he's blind right and uh, as it turns out I can't <laughs> see nothing because last time I couldn't they gave me an Oscar look at this I'm knocking shit over give me the trophy I can dance without saying <laughs> so uh yeah, it's so fucking bad. Now, was so, Christopher Walken in this movie? <laughs> no, but I will teach you now how to do <laughs> Liam Neeson, the 64-year-old action star. Have you guys talked about that? How the Love fuck, him. Yes. How the fuck did that happen? Yeah, I don't know how oh, it happened. I don't know how it happened, but, but it keeps happening. I love it. Liam, you know what you need to do. 
you need to start doing action films. Um, so the One Word Impression game is created by Alan Arkin and his younger son, Tony. And they, the game, the rules are you can only use one word to do the entire impersonation. You must sell the entire impersonation using only one word. And here's the tricky part. It cannot be a word the person is famous for saying. Oh. So imagine Bane, but you can't say anything he's ever said on film. So the one word, I, there you go. That's not bad. It, and you also tapped in one of the keys, which is use as many syllables as possible. Sure. So you're spending more time with the person. Um, this is the three syllable word. The word is bananas. And uh, I don't know where this came to me. I just said it out loud while driving. And I, and I in a heartbeat, went, well, as you're about to do, so I'll just do it. You'll, you'll, you'll hopefully have the same reaction I had in the car. And now a few audiences that I've done it for have had it in mass. Liam Neeson saying the word bananas. <clears throat> bananas. <laughs> There's no reason for it to be that simple. There's no reason for it to be that simple. There's no explanation. Sir, you've ordered the waffles. Did you want any fruit on that? Bananas. <laughs> it doesn't. And he's about to punch you right after yeah. he says bananas? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's... So that's a, it's a fun game. Uh, you just have to find a word that, that for some reason taps you right into Because you've probably seen me do the Jason Statham thing where he says six words in a row faster than any human being on the planet. In fact, he reduces six words to two syllables. Which are? So the six words are, do you know what I mean? Which he says as, Joe Mane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you say chow mein? It sounded like you said chow mein. <laughs> Joe Mane. If I put you in that chair, you'd be dead in 30 seconds. Joe Mane. <laughs> Actually, I don't know what you mean. You lost me around the chair part because you talk too fast. Joe, you know I mean, you, you just have to say Joe mean. That's it. Right. And bananas is. Bananas. You said it Irishy. Yeah, little Irishy. Low yeah. and gravelly, That's fighty, right. uh-huh. CIA special op. Whatever. Now, Statham's in there with the gravelly. They got the similar gravelly thing. And Statham is. Uh, Much more of the. And he's brilliant in Furious 7. We talked about yes. it already on this podcast. <laughs> he's brilliant in it. Um, I will. Never know, so I'll take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so no go on Dan Collins. No go on Danny Collins. Danny Collins going to be. Don't, 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 mm-hmm. don't. All right. Yeah, yeah, please don't. All right, Chris. So, you... I'm still thinking of that one word impression game. <laughs> yeah, oh. you'll come up with one by oh, the end of it. What was that? I'm thinking Liam Neeson. Like, Rith- Rithromycin. <laughs> Who are you doing? He's trying to come up with as many syllables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. He's a scratchy throat. All right. Uh, anyway, I saw a very special documentary called Atari Game Over. And this was a really interesting um, look at the rise and fall of Atari. And what was fascinating about this movie is that Xbox, it was funded by Xbox. It was uh, one of the things that was supposed to launch their big um, online content initiative. Mm-hmm. But that fizzled a bit, so they they kind of gutted that after they were going to launch it. But the actual documentary is now becoming available, not just, it was first just on Xbox Live, only Xbox owners could watch it, but now it's becoming more available. Um, It's on Netflix, and you could get it in other places. And it's fascinating. It's way better than, uh, we talked about earlier. So it's a documentary about the whole... Documentary about uh, Atari, the rise and fall, but it's it's specifically on the um, urban legend of how the game E.T., 
not only destroyed Atari, but also crippled the entire video game industry. It was such this big bloated disaster that came out and everyone hated the game and they wasted and lost all this money. And they had all these extra cartridges, so they buried them in a landfill in New Mexico. And part of the uh, story <clears throat> is them going to New Mexico and trying to find where they buried them to dig up these cartridges <laughs> to see if it was actually true. Yeah, I saw and, a trailer for it and thought it looked spectacular. It, it is. It's fantastic. And what they did really right about this movie is, like, when we talk about video games, the movie, it was just like, uh, it barely scratched the surface of what was going on. It wasn't a good documentary. It was like, okay, well, this is kind of for fans, but blah, blah, blah. It's not a good documentary. This is a good documentary because they find the original programmers, especially the one that made E.T., and they go through, like, the whole culture of, like, this hedonistic lifestyle at Atari. You know, the engineers were, like, gods over there. And, you know, they had a hot tub right in the office, and they were smoking. That's what we've got. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Sitting in and, one now. And yeah, and, and you see, but you see them now older, and you see the engineer older, and he's talking about how, like, that was kind of the best time in his life. And there's never been a point in his life after that that's really come close wow. to him realizing how great life could be. So you feel a little melancholy for this guy. Um, and then you also see the height of arrogance of these programmers when they were on top of the world, because these cartridges, even though they look very simple now, they still took five to six months to make, um, you know, even like mm-hmm. these little like combat and these old Atari games, Adventure. Um, and when E.T. came out, it was uh, a licensed property that obviously they had to do. And it had to be out by Christmas. And they went to this arrogant programmer and he said, look, normally these cartridges are, are done in five to six months. Can you do it in five to six weeks? And he went, Yes. <laughs> And therein was the beginning of the trouble, <laughs> because this game... Beginning uh, of the end, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, pretty much, And because this game was really awful. I remember playing it as a kid, and it was... Thinking it was shit. Th- yeah, thinking it was absolutely terrible. It made no sense. It was like it captured none of the film. Like, even on the Atari 2600, I remember playing, like, the Indiana Jones game, as simple as it was played it over and mm-hmm. over and over again mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. loved it and some of these other their games you just you know we we all have these memories if you grew up in the 80s of sitting in a basement in front of a tv with your atari 2600 and trading cartridges with friends and doing all these things and all those memories kind of come flooding back so as you're watching this film because it's very uh, nostalgic for for us if you were uh, a child of the 80s um one of the things i didn't like about the movie it was too short it was only like an hour and seven minutes and Atari has a very, very rich history. You could have gone, there's a lot of places too you could have gone, like instead of just concentrating like on the. Um, Is there you know, a the minimum landfill. for cinema? Generally, you, you want to kind of hit that 80 it's, minute mark for sure. There no, to, I think for the, feature. But is there a rule? There's not a rule, no. I thought it was a, I thought it had to be 82 to actually get theatrical release. Theatrical release, yeah. But yeah. now that's so gray with all this VOD and yeah. Netflix it defi- and else, It definitely but. is, but this this is one of those few documentaries that are like, um, well, no, this needs to be longer. I wanted to see a lot more of this mm-hmm. because what I also didn't realize about Atari is they got bought early on. Warner Brothers bought them very early on, and there were, you know, the corporate... Um, people up top and then uh, but a lot of them they left them alone just because they were they were literally printing money at that point and then uh, when the et game came in another executive up top made this crazy deal with spielberg that you know pretty much was the beginning of the bankrupting of the company um but 
when it didn't go, like, so it, 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 I don't want to uh, spoil anything of what happens, but it was really interesting when they actually started digging up the landfill and what they found, and it kind of demystified some of the myths about Atari and the destruction of the video game industry. What it didn't go into, and what I really would have liked to see, is also um, artist rights, because... These programmers were making all these games that were making millions of dollars. They were selling millions of copies, and they weren't sharing in any of the profits. And a few of them... Well, that stopped happening. Yeah. (laughs) Good to know that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, thank God. It's it's done. Uh, But this is a very important part for the video game industry because those programmers got together left Atari and started a little company called Activision. Oh, jeez. Which is now one of the biggest video game companies on the planet. And uh, has been. And has been for, for many years. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a big part of the Atari story that they could have explored a little bit. But it, it's a fantastic documentary, and it does what great documentaries do. It shows you a side that, of this world that you didn't know about, even if you're a fan. And it also gives it a human element when you see the programmers and the people involved and have them tell their stories, what it was like at that time, and kind of give like a retrospective of like, yeah, had we known this or had we known that, and this is what it was like, and it's never that way again. In fact, they went to the old campus where Atari used to be, and the programmer was like getting misty on He's like, yeah, this brings back a lot of memories. He's like, that building, that's where that was, that where that, wow. that's where the hot tub was. That's where and we did blow. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty we- much. I, I know there's outtakes that have quotes like that in there there's there's no question uh what went on there it was all it's all like the nerdy stuff that would happen like in the in the 70s like the cliches it's like yeah these engineers were geniuses they were on campus they were girls there they were talking to us you know that kind of thing. crazy <laughs> it was a, it's a great documentary girls were talking to yeah, us yeah. it's a good time <laughs> highlight of my life good old days <laughs> when girls would talk to yeah. you yeah all right, well, speaking of documentaries, now, Kevin, let's go into, you've been working on Misery Loves Comedy for, what, year and a half, two years probably, longer? Uh, September of 13. Okay. We shot for four, five-day weeks. Freddie Pins Jr. was the first one talking about his dad on camera for the first time ever. Um, wow. You know, I don't know your guy's age, but I was barely old enough to, in starting in stand-up, to catch the the window, the tiny, tiny window that Freddie Prinze Sr. I remember watching Chico and the Man. Yeah. So here's what you may not uh, remember. At 19, Freddie Prinze is on The Tonight Show for the first time. One of the youngest comedians to appear on The Tonight Show ever at age 19. Does so well that about six weeks or so later, Carson has him on to guest host. Still uh, the youngest guest host <sighs> wow. in history at 19. Ask him to guest host. To be brought back six weeks later would have been a grand slam to win the World Series. He was asked to come back and guest host the show at 19. When Carson was the king of the, the world. number one right. guy. Yeah, right. no, there wasn't even a number two. Yeah. He was just hit. Uh, by 20, he's starring in his own television show, Chico and the Man, dead at 22. We're talking about three years only of this white, hot entity. Um... So to hear Freddie talk about it for the first time on camera was pretty spectacular. But then we spent time with a lot of comedians, a lot of Mm stand-ups. With the thesis, you have to be miserable to be funny. It was brought to me, this woman, Becky Newhall, wanted to do a documentary about comedians. She came up with a great title, Misery Loves Comedy. Uh, But she wanted to do it just about comedians who suffered from clinical depression. She then talked to a producer. Boy, that narrows it down. Right? (laughs) You know, it's interesting, but there's not enough there. Um, uh, 
to be honest with you, when it was brought to me, I said, there's a much bigger story here. That'll be a part of it, certainly. And we have people like Jim Jeffries in the film talking hysterically first and then ultimately towards the end, you know, he does talk about being depressed at times and suicidal mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. Maria Bamford, who talks on stage about her time uh, at a psych ward. To, talk, to see her open yeah. up and, and, and just to be able to talk about what that had meant to her to be able to take that on stage. And the first time talking about it with a shaky voice and then by the end, you know, eight or ten performances in, it's so you're at the psych ward like you do, you know. <laughs> uh, to have her say that and, and Mitch Hedberg's uh, widow. Really? Uh, yeah, talking about their days. Lynn Shockroft. That's right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you've got Judd Apatow talking about, because he started as a stand-up, mm -hmm. never really being able to figure out where happiness is, thinking that when his films did well, that would bring him some happiness, and they, they did, but for such a brief period of time, that now he realizes the happiness comes from just the doing it, the, the, the filming, mm -hmm. and then the editing, and that's where the happiness lies. And now he says in the film, in my film, that he would love to figure out a way to feel happiness in nothing. And so far, he's failing miserably at that. Um, so, uh, but, you know, when you talk to funny people about the misery, whether it's Amy Schumer, Christopher Guest, Marty Short talks about being jealous, so jealous at one point. He was on his way to have dinner with his wife with um, Bill Murray, uh, who had just got Saturday Night Live. And he stops, he and his wife, from walking at one point and says, I, I, can't, uh, I can't go to dinner and pretend I'm happy for Billy. Because I don't know what I'm doing with my with my life, and and I'm, I'm and so he sits down on a bench, and his wife says, "Well, how long do you think this might be?" And he says, "I don't know, maybe the night." Uh, and he says, "To the to, for years after, we would drive by and point and go, look, there's Breakdown Corner. Remember Breakdown Corner?" <laughs> so to hear Marty Short talk about being so jealous, he was frozen physically by it. You know, you don't think about that possibility. Um, and Amy Schumer talking about being coddled by her parents to the point where she would, as a five, six-year-old, tell meaningless, stupid stories that she was clearly making up about a bunny in a forest. And her parents would react with such joy and then videotape it. And then she would watch it afterwards and say, well, this girl's going to be a star. Just the cluelessness of being that coddled. Versus somebody like Wayne Fetterman who talks about the first time he had an act with a ukulele. He said, which eventually he did on on TV and on a show, but when his stepfather first saw it, his stepfather said, "What are you going to do with that?" You know, so the full uh, spectrum of of support and not. So, I had over sixty hours of interviews when we got done with this to do a ninety-four minute film. I had to go into the vacuum. I had been next to an editor for stand-up specials and for TV pilots and stuff, but I'd never been the one pushing the buttons before. And when you have that much material and no script. No narrative, nothing to follow. I had to make up what the fuck this thing was about, ultimately. To give Believe it an me, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Slow. <laughs> we were looking at footage right I'm, before I'm, you came right in. Before you came in, <laughs> really? talking about what scenes to cut in yeah. earbuds. Yeah. And, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It, it, when there's no script. I mean, I had a, um, a bit of a brainstorm, as it turns out. Right before we started shooting, I asked the, uh, my better half, who's also the head writer on the chat show, uh, Jamie Foxx, who's uh, a big fan of the Gram. I think I pointed out when I first arrived. If that's how you say your name. Because um, <laughs> you're not even sure. Uh, but uh, I said, you've got this genius level of attention to detail. So when I'm doing these interviews, why don't we give you headphones, have a computer screen in front of you so you can write in a Word doc, 
and keep notes, but I'm going to give you the time codes that's synced up to the sound. So as I'm conducting the interview, if a buzzword or a keyword or anything is worth writing down to bring me back to a moment in the interview and put the time code next to it, you know, he said sure. this yeah. time code. Now I've got these massive notes and I don't have to watch 70 hours of interviews and try to figure out where to start. I at least had these notes, which were spectacular. Wow. I highly recommend that if that's, you're going to do a talking heads interview. That's a great. Yeah, it was an incredible tool. Because um, I always knew that, that script supervisor was wildly important when there is a script. Right. To remember which take and which this sure. and which that and which move. And this time he had the cigarette up and not down. And uh, it just came to me in a flash right before we started the first one. Thank God. Um, so, and also thank goodness there was a deadline to submit this thing to Sundance at the end of sep- September of last year, 2014, one year later. That's how long I was editing and could have continued. By the way. Of course. Yeah, you, yeah. Without that deadline, I'd be editing today. The do, the, a documentary, the best thing you can have is a deadline. Yep, somebody take it away from you. You have to say, and, and, and we, we were talking about this. We were like, should, will the, you know, a couple, three, four months ago, we we're like, do you think we can have earbuds ready for PodFest in September? And we kind of went, yeah. We're going to make we sure to. because yeah. now it's mm-hmm. like picture lock in July and we just are running like fucking wild horses to yeah. get to that. Yeah. And, that is so important because I, this is only this, the first documentary I did took me three and a half years because, well, we didn't have the money and this guy was editing part time. Stop and start. Stop yeah. and start. Yeah. And, and then I remember going with Afghanistan, was the first film going, I'm just done. Yeah. You, you, you just like, yeah. could we tweak? Could we, people watching go, maybe you should. I go, I, yeah. if you have $100,000 in cash and unmarked bills and a gym bag, then yeah, I'll fucking do that. Otherwise, right. Right. no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think because I was forced to go into the vacuum of editing alone, that so you were you were doing this what on Final Cut Pro and no uh, so first I had this two time Academy Award winner slumming uh, a visual effects genius he won an Academy Award for Titanic and then for Hugo and he's been shooting second unit for Scorsese since The Aviator Robert Legato incredible. And I had done this little movie that he directed, and we became friends. So when I started doing the documentary, we were starting to gear up for it. I mentioned it to him in a conversation on the phone. What are you doing? What are you up to? And I told him, and he said, I could, if you need any help, you know, I could help you with that. So it, it was decided that he would edit it. So when we finished shooting in October, I, I got him the stuff, and we started looking at various pieces of it. And, but he was also finishing visual effects on Wolf of Wall Street. And I started to realize I'm getting less and less of this guy's time. And because he was doing it for free, sometimes you get what you pay for. Uh, By the way, all all the 60-plus on-camera talent in a documentary that I got didn't pay any of them. Right. And for those of you young filmmakers out there, if you want to get famous people to be in your film, it's real simple. Don't pay them. Because if you pay them, you've got agents, managers, and publicists to deal with, and you'll never get any of them. Yeah. So just figure out a way to not pay them a right. penny. So Legato became Sign unavailable, right? <laughs> and Sundance, uh, January of 2014 was approaching. And my financier said, we would love to, if you could just make a 10-minute teaser, not to force you, not to rush you. I know you've only been looking at footage for two months already, monkeys. Uh, but if you could just cobble together 10 minutes, it'd be great. So we could bring to Sundance and show some potential investors for our slate of films in next year. So thank Christ they did. 
And that forced Legato and I to come up with this 10-minute teaser with some sort of flow, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of no narrative per se, but just some one person finishes the other person's sentence. You don't know where it's going. It's just some line. kind of flow yeah, and yeah. some kind of through line, which he mostly guided. And then after that, and it and it doing successfully, uh, playing in, at, at these fundraising outings at Sundance of 14, I finally was able to say to the two-time Academy Award winner, thank you very much for the guidance. Clearly, I need to take this into my own hands because I need to spend 10 hours a day with it until it's done. Right. right. And he showed me the six basic moves of Premiere Pro, Adobe. Mm-hmm. And I think a monkey could use this program because I, I had not pushed these six buttons ever before. <laughs> and he just showed me the basic moves of collecting pieces and putting them into a bin and storing them here and being able to look at them and put up two monitors and be able to shake from one side to the other and all that stuff. And I began cutting the rest. So what I did was just open up the 10 minutes, and I would drop in another 30 seconds in the middle of it here and drop in 20 uh-huh. seconds in the middle of it there. And then eventually it grew and it grew and it grew, and I realized, oh, so now it's this pointless 27 minutes instead of fast-moving 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I realized there's got to be some sort of story to tell here. <clears throat> and then chapter titles and first and second, third act. So while the premise was, the thesis that was brought to me, do you have to be miserable to to be funny? That becomes the third act. And the first two acts are getting to know these people. What the fuck? Where do these people come from? And and why the fuck are they doing this? If America's number one fear above death is public speaking, what the fuck's the matter with us? That we need (laughs) to be in front of the public and speak. Mm -hmm. Children suffer from, hey, look at me disease. They're children. They need attention. Adults clearly suffer from, hey, look at me, disease. Otherwise, Facebook wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar company. You're not someone unless you have a page. Now you feel like you're somebody. Mm -hmm. But who chooses, hey, look at me, as a profession? Who devotes their Mm -hmm. life to, hey, look at me, to earn a living? And then just talking about getting on stage and feeling the drug, the actual endorphin that's released, but the drug of, of the audience has come to see you you're going to take them for a ride of your choosing for an hour. You control the ebb and the flow. And that control that you have over them is something you will never experience in, tr- in normal life. Anywhere. Nowhere, no how, no that one ever. has that kind of control for a minute, let alone an hour. Mm-hmm. It becomes intoxicating. And when you try to go back to your normal life, so many comedians chase with alcohol and drugs, uh, or as Jim Norton insisted, sex, uh, whatever the addiction is, and so we did get you say to you assisted sex. Uh, would I say or did, did I you, say? Did you say Jim Norton? No, as Jim Norton sex? insisted. Oh, sex addiction is also got it. Right. Um, uh, so the first two acts, you get to know these people before you get to the ultimate question. And also, there's at times where you see how miserable they are in the first two acts. Like in the case of Mark Maron, you know, he's made a career out of being miserable and a very successful one as of late, and. And to have him spend the first couple acts talking about his, uh, his journey of misery, and then towards the end when I say, so, do you have to be miserable to be funny? He says, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think you do. But we have just saw him <laughs> be as miserable as possible. So at the same time as I'm cutting it, and you may have found this, funny people can't help to but be funny when talking about not funny things. It's just going to happen. Absolutely. They can't help it. Mm-hmm. So I, when I'm cutting the film, I realize this is a comedy. 
I'm going to cut this for laughs because there's parts in here that are just ridiculously funny. And so when you guys review it, keep in mind, I went for the funny. The reviews have been good when we premiered at Sundance, but the couple bad ones that we got were simply saying it didn't go deep enough. Why don't I feel more pain from these people? You you know what my theory on that is? Having not seen your film, but having gone through this with one documentary is... But he is going to review it now. I'm going to review Please. it. Having not seen it, the title <laughs> left me leaving. Um, <laughs> um, the thing is, when you say documentary, yes, people have such a specific. They dial in. It's got to be. This is be, revealing. This yeah. th- th- I made sure it was revealing mm-hmm. while making sure it was funny. I made sure we got insights that you didn't have before. If you there, one of the good, mm-hmm. amazing reviews said it's a masterclass. If you have any interest in what goes on behind the mind of a funny person. This film is a must. Those things are great. But the, the, those who did critique, and I'm fine with it, found that it didn't go deep enough. And uh, for certain expectations, especially with a word like documentary, there's no question it didn't go deep enough if, you, if, if that's all you wanted. Mm-hmm. I felt it went deep enough while maintaining the, the ability to be entertaining, which ultimately is what I set out to do as a filmmaker. Well, some documentary purists, and I, you know, I found this in some certain festivals, and even like some of Doug Benson's documentaries got those critiques. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's just goofing off or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what he is. That's what he's doing. And then- That's what, that's him. That's, that's him. That's, that's the documentary yeah. of his life is his life is one big- Goof. Goof off. Yeah. I mean, that's all he does. So- but I remember like doing Afghanistan, everyone heard war documentary. Mm, oh, yeah. Comedian in a war zone. So they wanted Fahrenheit 9 11. Sure, they sure. wanted Fog of War or they right. wanted some like heavy thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know. That's not what it is. That's Heart not what of it, darkness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they wanted, yeah, they wanted, they wanted this specific thing. So you say right. a documentary about the psychosis of comics, they want to see people, you know, fucking hanging themselves on camera or whatever, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and so some people, when they don't get that, I feel like. That's why I'm trying to get the word out that I really cut it to be a comedy. They, you know, people go into every movie with, um, sure. with uh, these <laughs> expectations. But that genre, man. That, that specifically, there's certain things that, yeah, when you say documentary, oh, this is what it's going to be I want to cry. Like. This is documentary yeah. about mm-hmm. the killing the whales. Yeah, the there thing, better you know be I mean? a dolphin in distress in this. Yes, yeah, someone better. <laughs> Actually, there is. Yeah. <laughs> there is a dolphin in distress in my film. I should point that out. <laughs> Can't that, believe I didn't lead with that. Yeah. That, that dolphin so painting weird. on the side of the improv that makes it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, does Christopher Walken find the dolphin? Um, if only. <laughs> then now you have yourself a yes. film. Sweet Jesus on a pie tin. <laughs> if I'm a song and dance man at heart. I kick it old school. Um, so, yes. <laughs> but so, so now. You've had just getting into Sundance, honestly. Was that, that's, that's the goal line? That well, was that's that, huge. That was getting the victory. Into Sundance is huge. That's a calling card that goes. Yeah. So you in fact, just in this past January fifth, January yes, fifteen, you were in. Yes, just a few months ago. And we'll tell tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, here's uh, one of my favorite parts. Um, we got to be at the Egyptian Theater on Main Street, which is one of the original uh, Sundance venues. But uh, on the bigger Kevin Pollock overview of the experience. I had been working on this TV show, Mom with Anna Ferris and Allison Janney mm-hmm. for uh, the Lord and Savior, Chuck Lorre. And, <laughs> and I came in the second half of the first season and then did the first half of the second season 
And then he decided the love affair that had been written for Allison and my character had given her to her character too much happiness. And he calls up and tells me, I'm going to have to kill your character. And, you know, it was an incredibly fun job, but I was a recurring character with no expectations beyond that. And as much as they kept bringing me back and bring, and then it's doing, a rodeo, you're just hanging on as long as you can. Yeah. Sure. And it's so like walking dead. Sure. You don't know. That's exactly right. <laughs> Are these people really going to ever, ever die? Maybe, maybe <laughs> one every couple of world. years. Yeah. Uh, I come back. Yeah. It's never the end. <laughs> so he explains why those, these two women have to be miserable and there's too much happiness. And then my character, here's good news, Kevin. You're so great. You're the most uh, powerful, impactful character to kill of the entire cast to devastate these two women. <laughs> great, great. So cut to three months later after we sh- got that news six to eight weeks after we shot it because it was behind in schedule. The night that aired, because the show had been following uh, Big Bang Theory, Mm -hmm. it became a top 10 show, top six, whatever. It was a huge hit in the second season. So now it's this love affair that Chuck Lorre has decided to end is beloved by the fans. So the Thursday night that it airs, the internet goes a little nutty. The Friday morning after, the internet is exploding with people catching up on their DVR. Why did you kill this character? How could you kill this character? That same morning, it hits the Hollywood Reporter picked up by the AP wire that my documentary that's going to debut at Sundance that afternoon has sold to Dribeca Films. And then that afternoon, we have our world premiere on Main Street, at the Egyptian Theater. That all happens within 16 hours. (laughs) Now, if that episode had aired two weeks prior, I could have been sitting home in a bathrobe eating bonbons, and it would have been this horrible, painful remembrance. Instead, I'm on Main Street in Park City for the Sundance Film Festival for my directorial debut. You talk about a window closing and a garage door opening. It was redonkulous. That's... Fucking show business. Yeah. Like that really up was. and down. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you It certainly got- eased the sting. That's oh boy. for sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, the sting had technically happened three months, four months prior when he made the phone call to me. Mm-hmm. Six to eight weeks later, we shoot it. And then I'd been living with the sting. So now I'm, oh, when this thing finally airs, I got to help people down from the- uh, yeah. Aren't you also the- worried when Chuck Lorre calls you that you make sure he says the word character? Mm. He's going to kill. We're going to kill you. I <laughs> yeah. have the money to do this, yeah. and you can't stop yeah. me. You asked me if I have a god complex. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that was one of the great memories of it, and then the, this calling card of your directorial debut. So just two weeks ago, my agent calls and says there is interest for you to direct this comedy. This this film shoots here in L.A. It's a three and a half to five million dollar budget, and oh, it's fantastic. They heard about the buzz of your documentary at Sundance, and they want to meet with you, read the script, and come in and tell them what you would do with it. And I said, make sure they watch the film, my documentary, before I go in and and talk with them. But the fact that it had just come from them hearing about the buzz was that nutty byproduct of of the Sundance Film Festival. And that's the upside of the craziness of show business. Yeah. Yeah. It's of how the madness can kind of sometimes spin in your favor. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Every now and then. You know? The hype and illusion, the smoke and mirrors. Right. Goes, fall, in, falls goes your, your way. way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very true. But I went in and met with these people and told them what I felt was wrong with mm-hmm. a good script and how it could have been a great one. And 
they went for it, and um, the official offer came in yesterday, and I'm going to direct this comedy. Are you congratulations? Up the script or changing? Or who's? I'm working on the first act just to make everyone more believable and and allow Can you mention the name of it, or is it all still kind of? I'm not uh, sure, uh-huh. but I uh, and also. I'll look forward to telling you more about it when sure. it's Absolutely, cast yeah. and, and we're shooting. We'll have you back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome, man. And oh, so, now, so now, so uh, now, loves, loves comedy. comedy. Where, where it, is this? Um, where can people get it? This week, I don't know when this, this airs. It'll air today. It'll air today. Great. So, so today marks the debut of Misery Loves Comedy on iTunes and, and video on demand mm-hmm. on every major cable system in the country. And then next week, um, it'll play the. Tribeca Film Festival, Ooh. right, and then hit theaters in select cities a uh, week from Friday the twenty fourth. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah, like, pretty cool. That, that, that's that's just like I mean, to get even any kind of theatrical release for yeah. a doc is it's impossible because we'll buy, we'll, they know they're they're oh, they're not going to make that much money. And also, yeah, very yeah. few people go. That's why I'm just kind of pushing. It's on Amazon. It's on video on demand. It's on iTunes. Will, they, will DVDs this, be pressed? Or this is just how digital? we. Uh, consume documentaries right, now yeah. is watching them on our televisions and eventually there'll be a there'll DVD, be DVD for sure yeah because we had a Kickstarter campaign for sort of completion funds um, mm-hmm. and so all the you know incredibly supportive people in that can regard can you say right. what the total budget was or of the film yeah 350,000 okay yeah mm-hmm. nice mm. the um, one of the things we're doing is we haven't announced this yet but we'll, we can incorporate this with your film is uh, we're going to be starting a uh, we've been working with iTunes to start a comedy film nerds iTunes store and we'll, we'll be able to curate films and actually put films in that section so people can go to our comedy film nerds page on iTunes and we'll have select films and books and fantastic and yeah, we'll anyone that's like you anyone there. who's been yeah. a guest who has a comedy so CD we'll be able to put your uh, movie in there all of it mm-hmm. fantastic so it's a really cool thing that, that iTunes yeah. is doing they were at the mm-hmm. they came to Podfest last right. year great and it's like, taken a long time but we are putting it together mm-hmm. that's yeah. awesome mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, man, and and thanks for the opportunity to getting the word out. Dude, Absolutely, love it. Our yeah, fans, no. our fans love hearing stuff about like this, and they love finding, and they love you. So well, I'm sure, they will be watching this film. I would like to talk to them individually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, big eyes. No, wait, we have an ad to read. Oh, 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 live read. Do you want me to do it as Christopher Walken? Yes, yes, yes of yes, course we do. Yes, we do. All right, I'll sing for my supper. You have a copy? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Okay. Hey, kids. You. Audible is offering our listeners, and by our, of course, I mean theirs, a free audio book. Wow. It's of your choice, by the way, and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash your show name. And by your show name, of course, I mean comedy film nerds. CFN. CFN. Let's just use the letters. (laughs) Why the whole name? So again, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash C as in comedy, F as in fuckface, and N as in nerds. No, don't swear in the ads. (laughs) That's all right. And choose from over... Wait for it. 180,000 titles. Download a free title anytime and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash CFN. That's audiblepodcast.com slash CFN. Start today. Wow. How would uh, how would Danny Collins uh, reach? I can't believe. <laughs> Give me something to touch so that I can tell the fine folks about Audible. Somebody played harmonica in the background. <laughs> Some sort of percussion. (laughs) So did I. Might keep talking.
Um, well, guys, actually, at Audible, there's a couple cool. There's Radio Player One, or Ready Player One, which is an audio book. Chris, yeah, this is going to be a um, this is an amazing book. I love this book. It's a, a, another one if you kind of grew up in the '80s and were a nerd playing Dungeons and Dragons and watching Ultraman and War Games. And uh, Steven Spielberg just signed on to direct the film. Whoa! So, so it may actually get made. Nice, nice. And Unbroken is on Audible. I know we we reviewed that movie early on for all the Oscar stuff. So check it out, guys. Um, and we want to thank Christopher Walken for doing that. <laughs> my, yes. my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So DVD, uh, we do have big eyes coming out. Chris, you saw this, you liked it. Absolutely loved it. And this is one of the things that, um, gives your faith back into Tim Burton. It's like, okay, well he he wanted to do this movie. And I said in the, I have a written review on the site and said, I wish Tim Burton would just do the movies he wants to make. So I could just watch the Tim Burton movies. I want to watch. Did you like, see there's no remake. It was, it was, a, it's a great movie and it, it was more subdued than obviously is, crazy gothic right. stuff but uh but it, it's great it, it's it's a great character piece and it's a, it's a great uh drama really it's a good right. story too it's a good it's, story it's, yeah it's based actual, on a true story um, i mean a, apparently um you know there's a couple over the top scenes that could have been toned toned down but um from what i was hearing from some of the fans were telling me no that some of that stuff actually happened and right. uh so so it's great check it out all right, now the Bada Duke. The Baba Duke. This is a horror movie from. Um, it's either I think it's New Zealand or Australia. It's one of those. I think it's Australia. Okay. Um, but it was one of those movies that apparently didn't do that well in its home country. It's actually Australia. Australia. It was actually filmed in Adelaide, Australia. Okay. And but it went overseas and it's doing much better here. And I heard it's absolutely terrifying. But it's also a. Uh, Fans are also saying it's not just a horror movie. It's a dark drama, too. So I've been kind of afraid to see it because the trailer scared the shit out of me. And uh, But I heard it's really good, so I'll um, uh, I'll man up and watch it now right. that it's on uh, DVD. And if anyone out there has seen it, I always like to hear what you guys have to mm-hmm. say. Uh, and then Batman versus Robin. Yes, this is the new um, uh, Warner Brothers straight animated feature that picks up where Batman has a son. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, they kind of get into a little bit of conflict. Ooh. So, but I've loved these um, straight to uh, DVD animations. They've been really good, and I'm hoping this one will be just as good as uh, Son of the Demon. All right. Oh, what's coming out in the theaters this week? Oh, dear Lord. I, I don't know. Oh. It, it, it's almost like there's a concerted effort to give you nothing to watch uh, for the weekend. Mall so. Cop 2 is out. And... Um, answering all the unanswered questions oh, from God, Paul Black, Mall Cop 1. Now he's going to Vegas. I just can't wait. And I just, you know, as independent filmmakers, we're scraping by <laughs> to get our movies made. Um, it just does your heart good to see movies It did, like Yeah, be, knowing the that... Um, There's always going to be a fat guy bumping into yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what we have to do to scrape together just to finish <laughs> this movie is probably a six-figure line item for his fucking hairpiece accountant or whatever he's got. You know his what I mean? hairpiece accountant? Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. No, hairpiece astrologer. Yeah. Uh, Fatty falls down. Uh, <laughs> So now I, I will say it's the one smart thing they did with this movie that is that they don't even pretend that this movie is for adults. And this is something that you wouldn't know, Graham, uh, because you don't have children is what they've decided. Is they, they watch they, it and laugh. They well, what? No, no. PG. They dropped it all the way down to PG. So it's going to be big, broad, dumb and goofy. But they're supporting Paul Blart uh, Mall Cop with some actors from those tween Disney shows. So it also gets the smaller kid, you know, like girl, girls, my daughter's age, 10 year olds interested in going to see this movie. They have no idea who Kevin James is. They see some of the, Mm -hmm. the actresses or actors they like from 
their Disney shows and they see a, a fat guy being goofy and falling down. So he like, bumps into something in the trailer a hundred times. Four times. Yeah. I counted. There are four bumping in the trailer where he bumps into something. <laughs> Fatty fall down. <laughs> in Vegas. So uh, and then uh, as counter-programming, if uh, a shitty comedy is not your speed, how about a shitty horror movie might uh, be more your speed? This looks like an inter- it's an interesting premise. I don't know if it's going to be executed correctly. Uh, it's un- Unfriended. Unfriended. It's about uh, some girl does something, and then, and then there's a video. She does something she shouldn't at a party, and then everyone uh, cyber bullies her online. Oh, she was a whatever at a party. So she ends up dying. And then it, apparently her ghost comes back to haunt these people, sort of like in a final destination. Starts way. to off them. Yeah. 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 Starts to off them, um, which is a cool, it's a cool kind of premise to me, but I, yeah, don't, I don't know how it's going to be. I'd rather everyone just seek out the Babadook and look for that one instead. Yeah. Or uh, just go to iTunes and get misery loves comedy. Yeah. Do that as well. Um, the next Please. one is, uh, <laughs> <I> kill you. <laughs> the next one is monkey kingdom. Now this is, uh, Disney has like a new division called Disney nature where they, they, um, release all these nature documentaries, but they get very little promotion and very little press. And they're in only in theaters for an extremely short, uh, amount of time. And also the interesting thing is they haven't always been that well reviewed either. Like they can't really figure out this Disney brand yet. Um, so I'm not sure how this one will be. And the last abomination to hit the theaters this weekend is Monsters, the Dark Continent. Jesus this Christ. is a, uh, a sequel, uh, from the indie film Monsters. Uh, but you know, the original director is a little too busy going on and directing Godzilla. Uh, so he has nothing to do with this movie and it's clearly a, a cash grab. But what's fascinating is that movies, because CG has gotten so cheap to do now, right. Now you have like these elaborate and epic pretending movies with these big giant monsters and special effects that are actually really cheap and small and are more like sci-fi channel movies. But they try to make them more epic in scope, specifically with the computer-generated images. But it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. This still is, looks like a cheap, you know, thrown-together movie with... Um, technology that is um easier to use that's all it is so um the next thing we want to talk about is the site spotlight and the fan feedback um our our own neil weekly went to the turner classic movies film festival along with alan havey and neil had is the first time he went and he had an absolute blast and he did a two-part review on the site he really uh went into it and you could actually feel his enthusiasm as you're reading it like how much fun he had and all the celebrities he saw mm-hmm. and the screenings. And uh, it's a great read. You can check out both, uh, both and parts And we're going to have Alan Havey on the show, and he's going to do a special uh, – he's going to talk about all the films he yes. saw at Turner Classic uh-huh. like we do every year. So that will be coming out probably in the next week. Uh, update, hot, uh, big update. You guys are officially out of water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just grab the last one. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> We're out of water at the Comedy Film Nerds Garage. Um, and then uh, fan feedback. Uh, we posted something on the uh, Facebook page. Um, what is the most overused uh, movie, uh, a song in a movie? And got some great ones. Uh, Kung Fu Fighting. Jesse Pick said Kung Fu Fighting. That one came up several times. I posted and several people posted the For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield, which has been in every Vietnam movie ever. <laughs> Something's happening here, baby. They must attach that song just when the script is in development. 
Yeah. When they're <laughs> Yeah, just and we got that song, right? You're right, right. We can't yeah, that's a And there always has to be a line of dialogue from an American soldier going after America wins this war, we're going to clean, you know, and it's like, no, that didn't happen. Whoa. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> we're, the, we're the policemen of the world. Yeah. Didn't happen. Um, some other cool ones. And by the way, what it is ain't exactly clear. Poor shit. It's clear. It's, <laughs> it's crystal clear. <laughs> Come on. Uh, who else? Um, who is uh, Joshua Hartfeld put uh, Bob O'Reilly by the Who, uh, used in every trailer of inspiring coming-of-age movie <laughs> from the 90s, which is nice. Um, Doug Anderson did Walking on Sunshine. Uh, got oh, that, that's a good one. That one we heard a lot. Um, <laughs> Hamish Moore said, How Do You Like Me Now? Um, Rich Johnson, Ride of the Valkyries. These are awesome. I love when you guys, the, the, like I could read them. None of you were wrong. None of you, none <laughs> yeah, of you No were incorrect wrong. answers so yeah. far. No. Oh God, Laura Bromley, Sympathy for the Devil. God, if I have to hear that one more time, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I like the song, heard it too much. Um, so thanks guys for posting your comments, of course, on the Film Nerd fan page on Facebook, and of course the uh, message boards. We love hearing from you from all those places. Uh, I think that's our program, gentlemen. I think 264, we can put it in the books. Wrap it up, lock it down. Lock it down. Um, Kevin, where can people find you on the internet? I don't see how that's your business. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, At Kevin Pollack, no C in Pollock on the Twitter. Kevin Pollock123 on the Instagram. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a, a fan page, I believe, on the Facebook for the Kevin Pollock chat show, although I have nothing to do with it. Um, well, your assistant takes care of it. No, one of the uh, our, our uh, wildly uh, overqualified, underpaid interns on the chat show um, looks after it and does a hell of a job. I just I'm not on Facebook because I I don't give a shit what my friends do <laughs> and what their kids look like. <laughs> I uh, I can't pretend to care anymore. I'm on Twitter. Uh, have been for six and a half years. Uh, we don't have to look I, at anybody on Twitter. I love the attention of total strangers. Clearly, <laughs> that's way more important to me than my friends. Where can people find the chat show? Um, well, you can uh, go to uh, the iTunes, the YouTube, the uh, Earwolf uh, comedy podcast. And it's weekly, Network. right? Every Sunday, practically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like to miss Sundays on occasion. I may miss this one. I don't know. <laughs> uh, not feeling it. No, out of fifty-two Sundays a year. Uh, we probably hit 40 to 42. That's so, not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, had some great ones lately. Sam Rockwell was amazing. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. God, he's an awesome actor. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. Peter Gould, one of the co-creators of Better Call Saul, is coming up uh, in May. Uh, Matt Weiner has agreed to oh, come yeah, on. Yeah. So we're locking a date. It'll be very exciting. Um, yeah, so the, the chat shows on iTunes, Hulu, Earwolf, YouTube. It's on Hulu? Yeah. Oh, the video part. Yeah, yeah. Got well, it. sure, we've got that video. Yeah. That pain in the ass fucking video. <laughs> and I love those tweets. Uh, hey, what's with your site? I can't download the episode. Nobody wants to download that much no one. data. What's the matter with you? It's ever. <laughs> Stream it. Watch it when you can. Yeah. You don't want to download it. Yeah. Come I, on, people. It's, you don't, no one has that space. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, um... What are you, over 25? (laughs) (laughs) Can't do it. Um, Well, uh, of course, guys, uh, LA Podfest, September 18th through the 20th. Uh, We just confirmed Aisha. Yes, Aisha Tyler Tyler will be there. We just confirmed Jackie Cation. We just confirmed Tofop. Uh, So the lineup's looking great. 
It's going to yeah. be a fun festival. Um, of course, you can go to LAPodFest.com to get tickets. Um, we will be doing... Uh, a lot of brand new shows that haven't been in so mm-hmm. far, and also uh, some returning favorites. Returning favorites. So uh, check that out, guys. And uh, that is our deadline, earbud screening. Earbuds. It will be happening. Jesus Christ, it fucking better. Um, so uh, that's, that's, that's the show. I got some tour dates coming up. You can get those uh, on ComedyFilmers.com or GrahamElwood.com. Uh, anything else, Chris? No, that's everything. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our guest, Kevin Pollack. Thank you, fellas. Uh, all of the guests that he brought. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I got a second bottle of water, but where are the bananas? <laughs> Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. As always, remember... Han, Han shot, shot first. Ice skating. <laughs> Who was that? Is that Lily Tomlin? Yeah. <laughs> One ringy dingy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>